Well, take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 72 tonight. Um, I will read. In Psalm 72, I'll read one verse, uh, but then I want to turn back uh, a few pages and we'll read a couple others. Psalm 72, verse number 18. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous things. Now, if we were to turn back where we were this morning, Psalm 34, read verse number 1 again. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Psalm 62, verse number 8, it says, Trust in Him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. Father, we thank You for Your Word. God, as it's been said, we thank You for Your faithfulness. We pray now that You would touch our hearts and our lives. God, we ask You that You would give us the strength, give us the ability to preach tonight. Lord, hide me behind the cross of Calvary. God, I pray that Your Word would be sufficient. God, that's all I have. I pray that You'd speak to hearts. Lord, raise up those, Lord, that have been downcast and downtrodden. I pray, Lord, that You'd strengthen those that are weak. Encourage those that are discouraged. Father, we pray that You'd help us tonight. You are God and You are good. And we thank You for that. In Jesus' name, Amen. I, I feel kind of, um, I don't know, I, I, I feel inadequate tonight. One, because we preached this morning about the, the goodness of God. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. But tonight I want to kind of maybe build on that or continue that thought. Uh, this was not planned, but as, as I began to look at some other things, uh, this kind of uh, came to, to bear. And so, I'll speak on this thought, God is good all the time. I believe it was Brother Alfred Willis came to Bays Mountain years ago. Goodness, when you think about it, we're talking about possibly 20 years ago. That doesn't even seem possible. Uh, but uh, Brother Troutman had Brother Alfred Willis uh, in revival, and he started, Brother Troutman, on... God is good all the time. So when the pastor would get up and say, God is good, the church would reverberate all the time. And then somebody added on all the time. And then the church would say, God is good. And so as as I kind of pondered that thought and then thinking about the message from today, uh, these several verses that we read, uh, especially those last two, talks about at all times. And over there in uh, Psalm 34, it talks about that he's going to lift up the name of God at all times. And and so we think about this and we understand uh, the, the thought that I'm trying to give to you is that God is good all the time. I, I closed in prayer this morning and, and I said something to the effect that, God, you were good yesterday and you're good today, but tomorrow you're going to be good. And I want you to know that I'm fully persuaded that I do not know what is going to be tomorrow. I do not know what is going to happen tomorrow in my life or in yours. But I want you to know tonight if we wake up with the worst of the worst that has happened, that God is good. 
trying to temper the things that I want to say. We could call out things that could happen, and we could boldly say that God is good. But some of you have been in those places where you've lost, where you've had an accident, where you've suffered, where you've experienced these things. And so, without trying to, to, to go into your, your fresh pains, I'll refrain. Uh, but tonight, I want us to know that, that God is good. We sing, Lori and I sing the song, um, I Still Have It All. And somewhere in the song, it talks about if I've lost my life, my family, I've lost my home, I've lost everything, I still have it all. And that's because I have God. And tonight, I'm glad to report that I do have God no matter what. If I found myself in Job's life tomorrow and everything that I had, Michael, was stripped away, I wanted, I wanted to be said one day about myself that in all this he sinned not nor charged God foolishly. And I, I don't, I can't speak about Job and I'm not even preaching about him, but I firmly believe in my heart that the reason that we find verse number 22 of chapter 1 and we find those verses in chapter number 2 is that he realized that God is good all the time. Matter of fact, he gave us that verse where he says, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. And tonight my heart is it's not only full, but it's burdened for the fact that, that tomorrow could be uneasy for any of us. But it, it is also not, not just burdened, but it's joyous tonight that through it all, God is still on the throne and, and it has not taken God by surprise. And so if you'll help me tonight, I preach real quick and I'm going to the house. There's a lot of folks, even in churches today, that have questioned under circumstances that have just ripped our lives apart, uh, how can we say, how can we still say that God is good when there's things that are going on that have hurt us, that have, that have broken us? Uh, oh, why do children die? Why are these things going on? And, and so in our society, we question this. Why, why do we say that God is good? And uh, if we look in Scripture, and that's really the only authority that I have, uh, is the Word of God. And I believe it's the only authority any of us have. It's the, and, that, and that's why I realize why I do it, because I'm preaching. But even in life, I have to refer back to God's Word. Because he, no matter, and I don't have any, but if I had some great education, I, I may be able to glean some things from there. But, but the questions that are asked about the goodness of God, it's not, it's not uh, explained in the right way by men. Uh, there's no way that we can explain it. Uh, but if we look in Isaiah chapter number 55, verse number 8, we understand that that we can't truly answer the question about God's goodness to someone else. He says in verse number 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. How we may not uh, know everything, but as long as we know that God is good, I think we can make it another day. If we were to look in Isaiah 55, verse 9, it says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Uh, even when we question God's goodness, uh, God is standing, or God's sitting, however you want to picture Him, but He is on the throne, and He is not wringing His hands, He is not worried, worried. He is not wiping the sweat from His brow, uh, but he has it all under control. And because of that, God 
is good. Just real quick here, we see number one, we know God is good because of who He is. I told you some time ago over in, uh, in, uh, Genesis chapter one, verse number one, in the beginning, God is that word Elohim. And then we, we told you about another particular verse, but we find it here in our text in Psalm 72, verse number 18. It says this, Blessed be the Lord God. This is Jehovah Elohim, okay? And so it says, the God who is, the God who always we will be, the self-existent one, that is Lord, that is Jehovah, and then the object of our worship. And so he puts these names together, and in doing this, we realize that this speaks of the holiness of God. This is the God that has always been, and that will always be, and He is the object of our worship today. And the psalmist understood this. And even Isaiah, over in Isaiah chapter number 6, he understood about the holiness of God. Uh, there's something that I'm a little jealous about Isaiah for, and that's because he got to be in the throne room of God. It may have been a vision, I, it doesn't matter to me, but he got to see it. All we can do is read about it, but I believe too we can experience about it. Uh, Brother uh, David this morning in Sunday school, he talked about uh, coming boldly into the throne of grace that we may find mercy and grace to help in a time of need. And I believe because of that, even though we're not physically walking into the throne room of God, I believe spiritually we can walk right in boldly unto the throne of God. And we can find that to help in a time of need. And so though we may not have a book written for us or about us, it says, in the year that so-and-so died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. We may not have that written about us, but if we've got a relationship with God, we've got the wonderful privilege of being able to go to God any time, and we can understand the holiness of God at any time by just looking at the things that He's done and the things or the person that He is. Isaiah there in the throne room, in the, you know what I'm trying to say? He saw the angels flying around saying, holy, holy, holy. John confirmed his holiness, God's holiness in Revelation chapter number five. He saw those angels singing holy. Now, I want to, I don't want to turn to Revelation chapter five, but I want us to know this. That, that in this, it speaks of light and it speaks of darkness. It's been said that, that darkness is the lack of visible light. The lack of visible light. Now, if we turned our lights off because of the sun still shining through, it may be darker, but it would not be darkness. But if we turned all the lights off and the moon was was blacked out in some way, the stars weren't emitting any kind of light and the passers-by, they were all gone, this room would be pitch black dark. You could go to my office back here and there's no windows or anything. You close the door and it'd be pitch black dark. It is the absence of visible light. Now listen. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse 14, it says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Here it is. 
For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? The amazing thing, and and I couldn't tell you what the speed of light is. The amazing thing about this, Hunter, is if we were to walk back there, you and I, if we were to walk back there in my office and turn off the lights, maybe there might be a crack of light, so we cover it up. Pitch black darkness. But if we flip that switch in an instant, darkness is gone. And we're talking about God is good because of who He is. Let me get this right. Let me get this right. If darkness cannot abide with light, then according to Scripture then sin cannot abide with holiness. And if God is holy, then sin or evil cannot abide in the same place that He is. You see, God is good because of who He is. If you were to come to me and you would seek advice, or you would ask me to pray with you, well, that would be wonderful. It would be welcome. But there are still some things maybe in my heart that I may have to get right before I pray for you. There are some things that in my heart, maybe, maybe I'm not in the position to be able to pray for you. Maybe I'm, I'm dealing with the same thing that you are. But not one time have I ever been to God where He says, well, let me confer with someone else. Not one time have I ever questioned God or, or, or sought counsel from God that He said, let me think about it. Not one time have I ever went to God with a need and He said, well, uh, let, me, let me get some books and let me, let me study on this for a while. Not one time. Not one time has He ever said, I don't know. I read to you over there in the book of Job this morning, chapter 38, and he basically just kind of, to just kind of, not berated, but he kind of blessed Job out. Job, and I feel, humanly speaking, rightly so, he began to say, God, look at all I've done. And God said, wait a minute, were you there when I created the heavens? Were you there when I told the stars where to Stay in their sockets. Were you there when I told the sea you can only go so far? Were were you there, Job? You see, we, humanly speaking, we doubt the goodness of God because of our own lack of goodness. But not one time has God ever... Listen to me. This is going to sound so simple and I'm so sorry. But not one time has God ever not been good. You think back, Moses, uh, Moses by God's command was trying to lead the people and he said, alright Aaron, you're gonna do this, you're gonna do this, you're gonna do this. And Korah and all of his people came to Moses and said, Moses, listen, you're trying to do all this, I think I can do a better job, let me handle this. <clears throat> there was some communication there and Korah tried to do it even still. And God caused the earth to open up and swallow Korah 
And the Bible says, all that appertaineth unto him. But God was still good. We could go throughout the history in the Word of God, and we could find where God meted out judgment. But God was still good. You think about God's goodness. He delivered Israel from Goliath. Well, God's good. You think about the goodness of God where we could go on and on with this. But normally we attach the goodness of God to the things that seem to help us. But do you realize that because of who He is, even those things that seem to hurt us, God is doing it not only for our good, but because He is good. Because He is holy, as the Scripture said here in Isaiah and in Revelation chapter 5, God is good. Then last, I want us to, to notice this. We know that God is good because of what He is doing now. In our text, it says, Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous things. This, this, as far as you're concerned, this is point number two. As far as my outline, this was point number three. Point number two was that we know that God is good because of what He's done. We discussed that at length this morning. But what about what He is doing? What God is Doing, He says, God is doing wondrous things. We, we sing the song, The Greatest of All Miracles. And, and then they sing the song, Miracle in Me. We sing others, The Plan of Salvation that Nathan sang so good tonight. We, we, we sing these songs about what? Salvation. I mentioned it just the other day. And I really don't remember where, but... I mentioned the fact that Paul was, I think it was Wednesday night, I was talking about meekness. Paul was a murderer. Paul was a blasphemer. Not to God, but to Jesus Christ and to the Holy Ghost. Jesus said in Acts chapter number 9 that he was kicking against the pricks. He was trying to kick against the very thing that was trying to help him. Paul had watched people die at his own command. In his back pocket, if you will, he had letters to kill a bunch of Damascus Christians. But God intervened. And on that road to Damascus, God saved Saul. And then... God told Saul that he would begin to preach his word. Later, his name was turned to Paul. And as I mentioned Wednesday, we have 14 books of the Bible written by the hand of Paul. What is so wondrous about that? Do I really need to answer that question? Jody? You not only did, but the way I understood it, you sold drugs as well. Is that right? Look where you are today. 
Nathan, you're saved, right? As far as I know, you've not done anything horribly wrong. That's between you and God. But God saw you coming to church with a faithful family. And God saw something in you. And so He called to you and you answered that call and you got saved. So you have, if I could say it like this, you have, you have the good getting saved and you have the bad getting saved. But understand that the getting saved is the important part. It is not what you've done yesterday, but it's what God is doing today. And the very fact that God said in Romans chapter number five, verse number six, that Christ died for the ungodly blows my mind. It absolutely blows my mind that God would, again, love us so much that He would send His only begotten Son to die for us. Even if you weren't here tonight, and I know this, this, this is said over and over, but if you weren't here tonight, I firmly believe that God died for me, if for no one else. I know He died for everyone. But the day that I realized that God died for me, oh my goodness, have the message of the gospel chain. So tonight, God is good because of what He is doing now. He is doing wondrous things by saving all that would come to Him. We read it again just the other day in John chapter number 1. He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. Even to them that would believe on His name which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. In John chapter number 6, verse number 37, it says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. God's good because of what He's doing now. He's still doing wondrous there's a miracle in me. <laughs> He's causing all things to work together. We're saved now. We love God. We're trying to do His will. And, and we get into trouble. We come, we come across uh, uh, maybe uh, some sort of a, a roadblock. And we wonder why in the world is this here. And we, we do our best to try to go around it or go over it or go under it. And, and it takes all of our energy. It takes all of our time. It takes everything that we have. And we question the goodness of God. But then we realize that Romans 8.28 still in the book. For we know, we've been persuaded. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, who are the called according to His purpose. Why is this in my way? I don't understand, but you better just think about the goodness of God working for your good. But it's wasting my time. I've got to go that way. This is the path, uh-oh, this is the path that God told me to go in. Okay, I'm glad that you're walking in that path. But there may be a distraction down the road that Satan has placed in the path. And God knows that if you hit that distraction, you're going to face plant. So what does he do? He puts his own distraction. <laughs> Goodness. He puts his own distraction. And He causes you to get out of sorts. 
He causes you to get off the path and you question, what am I doing? What's going on? Romans 8.28 is still in the book. You keep working. You, you keep walking in the direction. There, there's, your, there's your goal. Keep doing what you're told to do, but go around the distraction because God's working it for your good. God is good because of who He is. God is good because of what He has done. But God is good because of what He is doing now. And we can look, and God knows I'm guilty of this. We can look at circumstances around us and we can, oh goodness, we can just moly grub and we can have the worst of times. Or we can remember that through it all, That through it all, God is good. Everything that God does, according to this scripture, is wondrous. There's an old song, and I feel like the name of it is The Wonder of Wonders. I could be wrong. But it's one of those songs you really don't hear anymore. It's one of those songs that kind of sounds like a Christmas song, but then it kind of doesn't. <laughs> you're not real sure when you're supposed to sing it. You know it's not at Halloween, but you don't know about the rest of the time. Oh, the wonder of wonders. It goes on, oh, how could it be that God became flesh? Everything that God does is wondrous. I've said this. About people. Everything they do turns to gold. And mine, as soon as I touch it, it turns to rust. So we all know what I'm talking about. It doesn't matter what it is, it turns to gold. And I really believe that God has His hands on people like that. But, <laughs> I'm glad that God has His hand on people that causes things to turn to rust too, aren't you? I'd say that's probably the majority of people. But God, even if it's rust, do you realize today, do you realize today that, that people are making things rust on purpose? Before we moved down here, there was, there was, there was in the old part of town, they were building a brand new building. Brother Jim, I never seen anything like that. They literally had what looked to me like three eighths inch, probably thicker than that, steel plates all the way around it. What in the world are they going to do? And I watched a guy, Brother Terry, he was out there going, and he sprayed the whole thing. I said, what is he doing? That paint's not working. I didn't know what he was doing. And I drove by it sometime later, and it was completely rusted. What's the deal? Well, once they opened, they had their website, and I went to look at their website, and they wanted that, that, look that would appeal in the old city but have fresh life. And so they made what was new to look old. You're talking about you touching things and it turning to rust. Even rusty things. Even, let me say it like this, even old things are valuable. Well, David, I almost sent you a picture the other day, but every time I do, you said, that's fake. So I'm like, hey, a guy up in Smyrna, a friend of mine, he was posting something. It was an old orange drink. can't remember what it was called, but he was selling the sign. It looked to be about like this. Never heard of it. I mean, I bet David, he, he might want that. 
And not that I was going to buy it for you or anything, but, you know, at least pique your interest. And I, I said, no, I, it's, it's probably no good. Old things have value. People are imitating. Brother David, go back to you. Was it two weeks ago or so, a week or whatever it was? I sent Brother David a picture of this big old sign. It looks so old, Samuel. I'm like, I'm in heaven. I have found. Again, I wasn't going to pay for it. It's two hundred something dollars, but I have. Found, I'll go ahead and pay for it, and David could give me a finder's fee or something. And so I'm like, David, look at this. Brother Dean would say he sent me an emoji. Laughing face. And he said, that's a fake. And I walked around the rest of the antique store just moping. I thought, goodness gracious, everything in here is a fake as far as I'm concerned now. The old things, old things that we think are, are bad, they've got value. They've got value. So, you may be one of those like me that you feel like everything you touch just kind of rusts away. Know that God still has His hand in that. God is doing some good things. Good things now. And mark it down. That because God is good, and because God is doing good things, you can go ahead and plan that this thing is going to work out for your good in the end of it.